This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. Expert Series, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing good, Michael. How about you? I'm doing wonderful, man. So we just talked about finding motivated sellers. We're going to switch gears and, and, and say you got one on the line. And let's talk about what Greg Dickerson does around due diligence. And again, you can tackle it anywhere you want, whether it's multifamily apartments, whatever you want to go. Uh, when you think due diligence, what does that mean to Greg? Yeah, yeah. Due diligence. So, you know, a lot of people ask that question. It is um, evaluating the property and evaluating the tenants if there are tenants in the property and evaluating the market that the property's in. So real estate's hyper local. It's all the way down to the city, the neighborhood, the block, the street and the position on that street. So you need to know it intimately at every level in every aspect, you know, the, the values, the rents, you know, just anything and everything, the exits that you could have with the property, things like that. So when I do due diligence, you know, let's say I'm just buying a house, I'm going to flip it or do whatever. It's pretty simple. You need to know the market value. You need to know what it's going to cost you to get it there uh, and what the highest and best value that property is, how much to put into it, how much not to put into it, you know, where you can push, where you can't push, what are the days on market, what's your competition looking like and all that kind of stuff. So that's all part of the due diligence process for a single family home, you know, for commercial multifamily it's very different because now you're analyzing expenses or if you're mm-hmm. renting the house, you need to understand what are the taxes, what are the insurance, what's that going to be like when you close, who's the tenant. And in this day and age with COVID, whether it's commercial um, retail office or uh, residential multifamily or single family, if you're underwriting a deal and you're doing your due diligence, where does that tenant work? And more importantly, what, what does that company's you know, future look like in COVID? Yep. So you want to underwrite the tenants. You want to underwrite where the tenants work. And you got to go a level deeper, depending on how big that property is. Uh, and if it's a business, you know, what does their balance sheet look like? What's their sustainability in COVID? So you have to do your due diligence and underwrite those things a little bit deeper level right now. And then understand the operating costs moving forward in this environment. How is COVID going to affect the operating costs that aren't showing on the PL? you know, in prior years, you know, there's, there's what you call the T12, the trailing 12 months expenses, you know, the T6, the T3. And then nowadays you need the T last week, you know, you need to know (laughs) up to date what's going on with this property day by day. And the lenders are going to ask for that on commercial multifamily right before you close. They're going to want updated financials on the property Mm -hmm. um, and on you. So you've got to dig a little deeper now with COVID and what's going on and understand what is that operating environment moving forward going to look like? What is the potential you know, as we change and especially taxes, insurance and, you know, uh, of the property, property taxes, property insurance. We know taxes are going up because all the municipalities, states, counties are all suffering, you know, from loss of income tax and retail tax and all that. Um, We know that with the Biden administration, you know, we could potentially see some of these tax um, incentives that were put in place with the Tax and Jobs Cut Act in 2016 Mm -hmm. going away. Um, so, you know, our, our environment's going to look different from personal taxes in terms of evaluating real estate deals and corporate taxes, as well as local real estate taxes, insurances and things like that. So due diligence is anything and everything from the standpoint of uh, if you're looking at vacant land entitlements, what's it going to take to get approved? What's the highest and best use? How long is it going to take me? What's it going to cost to get it there? What do the utilities look like? Topography, soil conditions. <laughs> 
know, all these different things. So due diligence is a lot of different things for each different type of property. Yeah, for me, it's really kind of three levels. Again, buy and hold guy for the most part, right? One is like you said, tenant, right? If I'm, especially if I'm inheriting. Uh, and I'll give you an extra wrinkle on that one today, right? This COVID environment. If that tenant is in there today and not paying, which I have evaluated deals with tenants that are not paying, and I'm in California, which we don't know what the rules are, I've passed on all those deals uh, as of right now. Because again, I fully imagine that uh, Mr. Gavin Newsom is going to extend that December 31st out to sometime next year. And I don't want that headache. Uh, as of today. Yeah, we don't know what rent controls are going to look like. We don't know what eviction moratoriums are going to look like. Um, we do know that, hey, there's vaccines and, you know, some really great news on the horizon, but we got a long way to go yeah. for the population at large and at scale is going to be vaccinated. So we could potentially still see, you know, I mean, we're contracting, businesses are getting shut down. That's yeah. why I'm saying you really need to evaluate yeah. where everybody stands. And then post-holiday season, when everybody gets laid off, that's doing temporary working. And, you know, a lot of businesses that are hanging on to get through the holidays are going to shut down. There's going to be a lot more unemployment that we talked about earlier. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's really interesting what that, you know, eviction environment is going to look like long-term mm-hmm. uh, and what the uh, rent controls are going to look like in a lot of these areas long-term in terms of being able to raise your rents and things mm-hmm. like that. And, um, you know, and then the last thing that we didn't really talk about that, that due diligence is really what it's really all about. What you're really doing is you're doing risk. Okay. Yes. You're assessing risk. And more importantly than assessing the risk, you're accurately and completely calculating the actual cost, the downside. What is my risk? And, you know, um, if you're able to accurately calculate the risk in a deal and be able to absorb that and understand what that risk is and be able to absorb it in the worst case, Mm -hmm. well, then you know you're okay and you can move forward with that deal. But the key is accurately calculating it, understanding what it is and what it takes and what it's going to cost, and then your ability to withstand that if it does happen. Yeah. So on that point, I just want to bring up kind of two examples for folks listening to. So for one is um, time, right? What is, how long is it going to take me? Weeks, months, whatever. Uh, and the other is obviously uh, the, the risk to dollars, right? Overages is really yeah. uh, the interest there. But something I want to bring it to is it's, it's, this stuff's hard, folks. If you're like me and you're one rental at a time, I did none of this stuff when I had a full-time job. I didn't have time. I couldn't double check. I couldn't follow up. I couldn't do any of these other things. For me, it was just one rental at a time. Since I left February of 18, I've done now 54 flips because I can watch them and I can watch the timeline. And I've had some timelines extend because of COVID. Oh, by the way, it needed the city inspector needed to come out and validate the panel, the electrical panel. Well, they didn't do that for six weeks. Right? It's like, what? What? I, what is going on? Right. So you just got to realize that there's lots of things out there that can impact this. And the other thing is, is dollars, right? I, I was lucky enough to do these deals with my own capital. If you're doing Burr strategies and you're using private or hard money, be very very conservative because people do their own ARVs, but most people do their ARVs like their purchases. A refi ARV is often lower and that's the exit of a burr is a refinance. So I don't think enough people are talking about the downside of the refi appraisal and it catches too many new people. How many people have lost $10,000, $20,000 locked up in a deal that they couldn't come back and they couldn't pay their, their lender back? It's, it's, 
You got to be more. Yeah. Hard money is dangerous for anything, but a short-term flip, you know, anything yeah. that's long-term, you know, you do not want to use hard money for it's expensive. It adds up quick, get a private investor, get somebody to partner with you and, you know, split the profits. Don't, don't get yourself into a hard money loan. That's just ticking, ticking, ticking. Yeah. Um, and you do Each all this alive. hard work and then you just hand the property over to them. Yeah. Um, you, you know, very dangerous. And yeah, that was a good point. A lot of people, you know, don't understand Burr and how it works, you know, which is just buy, uh, repair, renovate, or buy, renovate, rent, you know, refinance and repeat. Um, you know, it's nothing new. It's something that we've all done forever. And I've been full time since 1997. So Mm -hmm. I've had the benefit. I've been a full-time entrepreneur, you know, doing this and I had a team. So, uh, so if you're working full-time, you can do like Michael did and do what you can do yourself, or you can outsource to a team. So, you know, you can get realtors, contractors, all that. So you can work a full-time job and still do as much as you want to do, as long as you've got a team and the ability to delegate and and handle that, because you don't have to do anything yourself. And when I was doing it, I didn't do it myself. I had a team, I had a building company and a real estate company. Um, and I had, I had people that worked for me. I had subcontractors and everything was done by them. All I did was just, you know, sign the documents. <laughs> you know, I showed up at closing on the buy and on the sell. That's what I did. Which of the and, bank. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my job. You I know. got that one. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah. And evaluating the deals. Of course, yeah, of you know, course. I always looked over all the deals, but I had yeah. people sending them to me and, it was, and all that. So, so for me, it's, I never would give up finding deals and securing capital. Those are my yeah. two things. Everything else is outsource. That's where the money's made. And that's what I tell a lot of people. You can outsource everything, but somebody's got to focus on finding those deals, you know, evaluating them, making the decision and, and, you know, bringing the money to the table because without the money, there is no deal. I totally agree. Yeah. You got to be able to control it. You got to be able to buy it, close it, and then own it for whatever the duration is. Uh, because again, a lot, I saw up close and personal in 08, people have those hard money loans, just eat them alive. And yeah, they lost. So that. that's, you know, so that's due diligence. And, you know, so there's due diligence and there's underwriting. So due yeah. diligence, underwriting is part of the due diligence process. So due diligence can be inspections. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. So you want to have all your lead paint, asbestos, you know, home inspections. You know, every house I buy, single family, I always get a home inspection. Even though I'm a sophisticated, seasoned builder, you know, I still want the home inspector's opinion because I want to mm-hmm. know what they're looking for when I go to sell it so I can make sure ah. I address it. So I get a home inspection, That's a good idea. unless I'm going to gut it. You know, if it's a yeah. major remodel, I don't worry about it. Yeah, but I don't worry. If but if I'm going to do a full gut, forget it. I don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's but on little things, out. I get it just so it's a punch list, right? Yeah, I'm that just makes paying sense. a couple hundred bucks for, the, you know, for them to make a punch list. Yeah, so I'll get an inspection and I'll get a survey. So, you know, ah, property surveys, because I've had so many boundary line issues and encroachments and things like that um, create problems. And, you know, for three or 400 bucks, you know what you're dealing with before you close to have that rectified. It's ah. like a title search. You know, you don't want to close without a title search. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all sure. part of the due diligence process, doing all your inspections and, you know, things like that. And if there's oil tanks, gas tanks, environmental concerns, whatever, yep. that's all part of that due diligence process of doing your inspections, getting your financing lined up, you know, that type of stuff. Then there's the underwriting, which is separate, which is where I'm talking about what's the income and expenses, what's the tenants, yeah. you know, history look like, what is the lease, you know, you want to uh, review those leases. And if it's uh, one house, it's easier for you to do. You can have, you can do it yourself, have your property management company do it. If it's an apartment community, then property management companies will audit those leases. Um, and they'll audit all that stuff and do that for you. So you don't have to worry about going through all the leases yourself and, you know, uh, hold them accountable to that. Uh, and then, you know, then you can look a little deeper at where are these tenants working what does their employment situation look like? What does that company's history look like? And you'd be surprised what you go and research somebody, you know, if there's a building where the majority of the people are working somewhere in some of these areas, you know, that company, you know, if you find out they're leaving town before you close, that's something yeah. you might want to know. You might <laughs> want to know? know that. Yeah. 
That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Again, the due diligence for me, uh, again, on the, on the hold is, is absolutely right. It's the tenant first, if it's there, uh, if it's, if it's empty, it's, what do I expect the, the rates to be, the rent to be, mm -hmm. um, you know, then it's the mechanicals and, and the, the, the building structure itself. I haven't done a survey that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should always get a survey because that okay. can come back and bite you. You know, it, it could be a tree, it could be a fence. It could be, you okay. know, anything you want to know what you that. own and what the encroachments look like and make sure okay. that there's nothing encroaching and you're not encroaching. There you go. Because uh, that, that's 500 bucks, you know, in most areas, three to $500 for average single family property. Could be a couple thousand to 10,000 for bigger commercial properties, um, you know, or more. But for single family, it's very inexpensive and it's insurance. You know, yeah, you just, you're, you're just, right. hey, I know what I got. You know, don't yeah. rely on property tax records because those, yeah. those lines aren't always accurate. Those aren't know? always right. Yeah. That's for sure. And then the other one is due, due diligence on the financing. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, is it a bank loan? Is it a hard money? Is it private money? If it's private money, have you done the deal with this person before? Right? And again, ask the hard questions up front before you close, especially if it's private money. Like, what happens if you need the money? Right? If you're like in 2010, I was doing 10 year notes, interest only. So we had to have the conversation. What happens if you need the money fast? Because I'm going to be in an illiquid asset. I might not be able to refi. If this is your last dollar, I'm not interested. Right? Yeah. You know, so you got to have those conversations on financing because you don't want to have financing bite you, uh, in, in my opinion. And here's one I get all the time. How do you value a vacant property? You ah, know? So okay. whether it's multifamily, commercial, whatever, like people are like, well, how do I evaluate income producing property that's vacant? Yep. Houses are easy because it's all about comps or smaller multifamily. But let's say you got a 20 unit building yeah. and it's vacant. How do you value that? Oh, it's, it's very, actually, I bought one of those. I bought one of those in 2010. It was, it was a 10 unit vacant building. It was... Um, yeah. Uh, how did I value it? I knew the rents, what it would be. I knew what the costs were. And oh, by the way, I negotiated with the bank that held the loan. So um, we, we had a mutual agreement. Basically, I just took over the debt. <laughs> yeah. So that works too. So, you know, but you need to know, is that debt appropriate? You yeah, know, because if sure. you're taking over too much debt, that doesn't make any sense. And the lender will take a card back, yep. you know, and they'll write that down a little bit sometimes to get it sure. off their books because bad debt affects their ability to lend. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, banks don't like to carry, you know, bad debt on their books. So yeah. for a vacant property, what I look at is I want to get it, you know, obviously as cheap as you can, you know, for, for a deal that works for everybody. But, you know, you start with the end value, income producing property like that, commercial multifamily. Uh, it's all about the income. So, so that's the first thing you look at. What's the net operating income I can derive from that property when yep. it's completely done, renovated and stabilized? Then you work it all backwards because there's going to be a value on that income. Now yep. in commercial property, uh, it's your uh, net operating income first, um, replacement cost and comps second and third. Some, you know, Correct. you can flip those two either ways, comps, then replacement cost third. That's how appraisers do their reports. That's how they look at values and determine it. So you need to know those three things. What's the income? What's yep. that worth? Cap rate? What's the market cap rate for stabilized properties for this type and class of asset that I'm looking at? What are the comps mm -hmm. and what's replacement value? What is it going to cost you to replace it if it would, you know, if you're building mm -hmm. new? Sure. So that's the things you look at. And then, you know, you, you start with that end value and you work it backwards and you subtract whatever cost it's going to take to get the thing renovated, get it leased up all your expenses. Yep. And you subtract, you know, what, what uh, you want to make in the deal. And that leaves Profit, you yep. what you, what you okay. want to pay for it. So totally that's how good. I do vacant buildings. Yeah. Those are, those are really cool. Uh, as we wrap up due diligence, any other kind of thoughts you're thinking about you want to leave with? Yeah. So just be thorough. Don't take any shortcuts. Don't assume. Uh, and, oh yeah. And, you know, assume. yeah. And generally if something is bugging you about a deal, um, go with that instinct. Yes. 
definitely. I guess the last thing I want to ask you on due diligence is how long do you think you should give yourself? Because so you could do due do, do diligence forever. Are yeah, you, it depends you, on what it is. Development deals, as long as you can get. So I, I'll take deals where, you know, I'll have um, three to six months, just feasibility, not even due diligence, just feasibility. Okay. And then once I decide, okay, the project looks like it's going to work, then I'll go through a, to a due diligence period to where I get my permits and all that and entitlements and I don't close till I get those. So, mm. um, so that's okay. development. If it's an existing asset, uh, generally for commercial multifamily, you want to give yourself at least two to three months of due diligence to be able to do your underwriting, your due diligence, your financing and all that in more competitive markets, you know, people are shortening that to 30 days. So you need at least 30 days because it goes Agreed. by quick, yeah, but I like 60 or 90 days of just straight up due diligence where yep. I can walk at any time. And then beyond that, earnest money goes hard. Then you close 30 to 45 days later. So okay. um, single family residential, typically you get what, seven to 10 days, you yeah, know, maybe 10 days. Yeah. 10 to 15 yeah. days. Yeah. And again, in a competitive market like this, just like, you know, the shorter, the better, but you know, hopefully yeah, the market's Yeah. Not. Single family, you close all cash in a few days, you know, no big deal. As long as you know that there's no serious environmental issues or concerns. Yeah. That could pop no up. gas tanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. But, some people are jumping in and closing commercial, you know, and multifamily quick just to get in there. And, you know, some of them you might be able to make that, that decision with, you know, and be able to do it quickly if you're willing to take the risk and assume the risk that the worst case happens, yeah. which is you lose all your tenants and, you know, building gets condemned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a worst case scenario. All right, folks, we're going to switch gears into topic number three, you're going to want to pay attention to. And that is what do we do with all our cash that we have? We're going to talk about what we do now and what we've done historically. Stay tuned for that. Thanks, Greg.